Hi there, you're listening to The Recruiter Record, the podcast that goes behind the curtain of talent acquisition and human resources in corporate America, providing the ultimate tools and strategies so you're empowered with the information you need to boldly navigate your career. For all my newcomers, welcome, and I'm so glad you found this podcast. I hope it's the exact resource you've been looking for. My name is Joy Noel. I'm a talent acquisition specialist with 20 years of experience in corporate America, a former road warrior, a connect extraordinaire and I have a passion for helping people by sharing good actionable information that's my guiding principle for each episode and that's exactly what you should expect every time you listen to the recruiter record join me here every 15th and 30th of the month when the new episodes are made available on Spotify Apple podcast and all other major streaming services hit that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode and if you like what you hear and gained a new bit of information that you can put into practice leave a comment and let me know. Hang out with me on all social media platforms at Recruiter Record. I can't wait to connect with you all. All right. So there are two more months left before we're ringing in 2021. And I'm reflecting back as I plan and prepare to move forward. And I'm remembering how everyone was so excited for 2020. And was saying that this was going to be the year of 2020 vision. Now, I don't know about you, but it feels like this year was the eye surgeon performing LASIK without any anesthesia. Painful. But I'm still coming out with clarity and things in focus. So a positive. Now, currently in my line of sight is how the pandemic has affected women in the workforce, what types of impact it may have long term and how to counter the fallout. We all know COVID has impacted everyone around the world. All of us have felt it in some way. It is indeed a crisis. And throughout a crisis, what tends to happen is a floodlight will illuminate the imbalance and inequities that result in many sectors of the population being unfavorably impacted so much more than others. In this case, specifically women, and even more specifically, black women. Our jobs are more vulnerable during the crisis than men's, proven by the fact that in April, female unemployment globally was toppling 55%, while male unemployment accounted for about 13%. From that, one could surmise, and I did surmise, (laughs) that the pandemic is regressing gender equality. Employment among women is decreasing at a greater rate than ever. So when I hear Donald say some BS in one at one of his rallies that he's getting our husbands back to work, my blood boils. Get me back to work. The hard truth is that women are more vulnerable to the economic effects of COVID because of gender inequality and women representing greater in sectors that are negatively affected by COVID. So you're thinking about restaurants, the service industry, retail and hospitality and healthcare, to just name a few. Additionally, COVID has shut down schools and childcare establishments across the country. So now the kids are home, making it more difficult for parents, mothers to work since they generally provide most of the childcare. There's a disadvantage to working moms also, since fewer women have jobs that allow them to telecommute or work remotely. Single moms are facing the greatest challenge of all right now. 
According to a report by the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, only 20% of single parents said they were able to work remotely versus 40% of married people with children. So the report then went on to track who in these couples is handling most of the child care. And no surprise, it was the wife. In 44% of married couples with children where both spouses work full-time, mothers provided about 60% of child care. The director of integrative behavioral health at Howard Brown Health wrote in the Wall Street Journal, Black women sit squarely at the confluence of multiple systems of oppression and are experiencing at disproportionate a disproportionate loss of life and livelihood in the era of COVID-19. So when you go further and look at the effects on black women, it's going to blow your mind. Black women report being furloughed and laid off at a higher rate than whites. And when you look at the racial wage gap, you'll see that the lower wage black women receive equals less money to save and less money to support their families in crisis. And since black women hold a lot of the frontline jobs, it sometimes comes down to them having to make a choice between risking their health or foregoing a paycheck. Decisions that most other sectors of the population don't have to make. Dr. Michelle Rogers, a clinical assistant professor at Northwestern University, describes it best to me when she stated that wage gap cascades over everything else. It rolls like thunder across every aspect of black women's lives. Black women are nearly twice as likely as white men to say that they'd either been laid off, furloughed, or had their hours and or pay reduced because of the COVID-19 pandemic. More than half, that's 58% of black women, report this versus less than a third, 31% of white men. Black women are more than twice as likely to not be able to pay for basic necessities past a month if they lost their income. That's 36% versus 16% of white men. Basic necessities, for those that are unclear, are rent, mortgage, food, and health care. The basics, not a Birkin. Anecdotally, I have peers who are stressed beyond belief right now. They've either been laid off or they're working from home, trying to homeschool their children and be productive, um, and they're drowning. They're concerned that they aren't really showing up in any aspect of their lives in any sort of impact, impactful way. It's stress on steroids right now, which leads me into the mental health of black women in the U.S. Michelle Obama said recently she experienced low-grade depression caused by the coronavirus and racism. Black women are reporting in unusual numbers symptoms of not being able to sleep, hopelessness, hopelessness, fatigue, all symptoms that can be attributed to depression. Black women are exceptionally susceptible to chronic psychological stress. This is a direct result from anger or suppressing pain, all while striving to make other people feel at ease. So not only are we dealing with economic fallout, we're amid a mental health crisis, too. So the question I ask is, how do we go about the business of promoting a fair and equitable, equitable recovery from the coronavirus for black women? How do we ensure that those of us hit the hardest will not be counted among those unable to rebound? I certainly don't want to be in that number. The clarity I received this during this time 
is that now is the time to go back to the drawing board. The progress that we thought we had made is really sitting on a crumbling and unstable foundation. We have to understand that racial justice and economic justice are intertwined. They are linked for black people. We must take on both things at the exact same time. So if black women are losing more jobs, the economy is not recovering. So here's what some things that we can do. One, report on the disparity, make it transparent and in people's face. The New York Times should not have to sue the CDC for more data on the racial impact of COVID. We cannot put on blinders to the racial implications that exist in the data. Two, lobby for policy change that is focused on the black woman. Make us the center. The pay gap needs to be fixed specifically for black women because if it's not happening for us, it's not going to happen for anyone else. The needle will not move. We must address the inequalities head on. No dancing and sidestepping around the issues and solutions anymore. We must demand to be put first. We are at the core of the nation's economy. So policy changes need to happen related to paid sick leave, parental leave, work flexibility, and the near future stimulus programs must be targeted directly to black women. If black women are thriving in the economy, to me, that is direct proof that the economy is good and thriving. The private sector can voluntarily conduct pay parity audits. So what that is, that's where an independent person comes in and will appraise an an organization to see if there are issues um, within the company regarding um, equitable, equitable pay among racial and gender lines. Now, in all honesty, the likelihood is that companies just aren't going to do this all by themselves without some serious nudging. So policy changes will need to happen so that corporate America does the right thing. And three, finally, here's what you can do independently. The next time you're negotiating your salary or a raise, ask for 7 to 10% more than what you think you're worth or what you're told the position is worth. Consider it an inequity tax. It's very likely at some point in your career you were or will be undervalued and underpaid. So protect yourself against that. Your bargaining power when it comes to your salary is greatest prior to you accepting the role. Don't sign that contract before you've negotiated your ass off for proper salary. And also protect and support each other. Build out your network and your village. It's okay to lean on each other. I have a set of really good, good girlfriends that really I consider my sisters and we help each other the best we can, whether it's watching the kids, calling each other to vent, calling each other, you know, just to listen and share our, you know, our joys, our ups and our downs. And we're there for each other. And so I urge you to build build your community. And I also urge you to consider engaging in professional therapy. We have a lot on our shoulders and are carrying a heavy heavy load. So it's okay to seek out professional help. Now, I know these are all very high level things we can do to address the fallout from the racial pandemic and COVID-19. So I encourage you to investigate other ways we can ensure an equitable and fair recovery for black women in America. It's going to take all of us. We all must be involved and raise our voice. And finally, 
one more finally. I know that's like the third one, but <laughs> really this time, finally. If you haven't already, you need to vote on November 3rd. So if you haven't sent in your ballot, if you haven't done the absentee ballot, if you hadn't, haven't stood online and voted early, you need to be at the polls on November 3rd. No excuses. As always, thank you for listening to The Recruiter Record. I'm Joy Noel, and I'll be back on the 15th with a new episode. Please subscribe, leave a rating and a comment. Let me know what you're thinking and what information you need to navigate your career. Talk soon.